Thank you for joining me today for Geezers of Gear, episode number 93. Today's podcast is brought to you by Act Lighting. With everything going on today, it's great to know that there are companies like Act Lighting. Act continues to employ hundreds of dedicated employees and treats those employees with fairness and dignity in a terrible time like this. Act continues to sponsor Geezers of Gear, even though they too are in crisis. Thank you, Act Lighting, Ayrton Lighting, MA Lighting, and all of the other Quality Act brands. Visit actlighting.com today for more information. Hello, and thanks again for joining me today on episode number 93. And so first, I wanted to mention that we had uh, another really great happy hour yesterday. It was the uh, production industry virtual happy hour number three. And we had roughly, I think it was 65 or 67 people which almost completely filled three three Zoom screens. And so we've been getting two Zoom screens, but we were now up to three, and it keeps growing. A lot of people have reached out to me since yesterday, you know, asking to be included in the invitation for this um, for this virtual happy hour. And it's it's I think it's a good thing. I think people are enjoying not only getting together, but they're enjoying hearing others' ideas, hearing others' problems, uh, discussing problems in the industry, discussing what we think is going to happen, discussing potential, you know, changes to things down the road, whatever it is. And you know, some of it is really negative and sad and upsetting. Some of it's really positive and funny and uplifting. And I think we have to kind of listen to both at this point because people really do need a place to go to either vent or communicate or listen or learn or whatever it is. Um, Myself, personally, I still believe that uh, although our industry seems to have dug in right now for some really long delays, I think, you know, there's people on both sides. Some people think that nothing's going to happen until 2021. Other people think, you know, that in June they're going to be doing shows again. Um, to me, the reality is I believe we are going to sooner rather than later find a way back to some version of normalcy and some version of busy, even though a lot of the major tours or most of the major tours have already announced that they won't be back until 2021, but there's other things. There are going to be other things to do. I think that, um, we don't have a choice. I mean, I really believe that our industry, could be completely decimated if we don't get back to work. So I believe that um, we're going to find a way. You know, I think we've found a way uh, in other crises, and this one, yes, is more significant, but I believe we're going to find a way. So speaking of which, today's guest uh, is a gentleman named Isaac Rothwell, and He's an interesting guy because instead of sitting around wondering, you know, what he should do or waiting for other people to act on his behalf and, and make something happen, he decided to do something on his own. And um, first he created the uh, COVID-19 pe- uh, petition that I believe most people signed. I, I He'll tell us about the numbers. They're very, very impressive numbers of people that he's got into this petition. But... Um, that was the first thing he did, and that really made its way through our industry in a really, really rapid way. Um, and then based on that, I think he came to the realization that he could and needed to do more, and he created what is called the Live Events Coalition. And uh, it's those two things that really got me interested in bringing Isaac on to talk a little bit more about this, to figure out what he can do to help all of you and to figure out what maybe we can do to help Isaac as well. So uh, without further ado, here you go. Isaac Rothwell from the Live Events Coalition. Good morning, Isaac. How are you today? I'm doing wonderfully terrible. <laughs> Pretty much like the rest of our industry, right? Yeah, that is that is my greeting on every phone call I'm getting these days. If someone I haven't talked to in a while, 
<laughs> whenever they ask me, wonderfully terrible is my go-to. Well, it's <laughs> it's probably not a very bad answer. It's uh, <clears throat> you know these are these are certainly unique times that we're in, and uh, I don't know, man. Every conversation I have is interesting, exciting, depressing, horrible, awesome. <laughs> It's just like, you know, my whole world is like this, you know, you start the day with an incredible idea and this is what we're going to do today. And you get run over by four trucks and punched in the face and kicked in the balls and everything else happens. And it's like, oh boy, what was that? So, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm really happy that you were able to make it on here. I've been uh, reaching out to you or we've been kind of playing phone tag or email tag for a couple of weeks. And uh, I think the timing is good because I think your situation has certainly evolved over the past couple of weeks to, you know, a, a different status today than it was a couple of weeks ago. And and I really want to get into some of those things that you've been doing and and successes that you've managed to achieve and, and things like that. But, um, you know, first, before we really get into this, I, you know, one of the things that's, that's so interesting, I think about you and what you've done is to be perfectly honest, I had no idea who you were. I'd never heard your name before. Uh, I've been in this industry 30 years. I know a lot of people and I had no idea who you were. So I was like, who the hell is this Isaac character? And, and, you know, how did he get so much, to happen so quickly. Um, so Isaac, what is your background? Like what, where, how did you get to where we're going to talk about when you started the petition, but how did, what's the part before that? Um, my background is, you know, a lot of people, you just end up in this live events industry. You don't, you don't really know exists. Um, (laughs) I mean, we know we can't even explain half the time to our loved ones, what we do, but my background was, uh, going to college for music studio production, being a recording engineer, looking to be a a record producer and kind of went down that path a number of years to owning and operating a couple studios, building studios from the ground up. And then one day, a good friend of mine who I connected with through doing a house of worship sound and, and things like that. He said, uh, you want to come on a gig with me in Dallas, Texas? And I said, sure. And I went and did a cool little corporate audio gig. And I said, wow, this is easy. <laughs> Oops. You mean, I don't, you mean, you mean I don't have to chase down musicians for money and you know, right. spend, spend two, three days trying to sell a two hour recording session. No, you no. have to, you have to chase down clients for money now, instead of musicians, exactly. you're chase the pastor or the, you know, yeah. the manager or the promoter or the whatever. Right. So that was my first taste of it about, you know, seven, eight years ago. And then slowly kind of developed it. Um, being an entrepreneur, obviously, this is an industry where it's right for small businesses and people that are motivated to kind of find a niche. So I developed some relationships. Next thing you know, um, myself and him started a company and went from there, just grew, grew that company, but then also kind of partnered with other firms. So I also had jobs while having the company at the same time. And it blossomed from there. It went from being just basically an A1, learning enough video to be dangerous and then get good at video and then lighting. So we come in just a basic draft, get jack of all trades so I could technical direct shows or project manage and then right. have mo- kind of transitioned now into this role with Digirati where it's more on the operations side where, yes, I'll go on the bigger shows, but it's more so making sure the things are in place and handling those, those major moments when things are going wrong and just picking up the phone and knowing what to do. Right. So, yeah. you know, being an entrepreneurial person, you started your own business. Is that still running today or you had to bury that to do yeah. what you're doing today? Um, it is still going on. Fortunately, it was still going on enough in 2019 where actually, you know, I'm able to actually pull a little income from that business in the nice. Payroll Protection Act. Um, it actually shouldn't have been that way. We should have actually been rolled into some, some other things, but actually we ended up lucking out in that sense. In other senses, the, this hit at a really wrong time when we were actually, I mean, you know, kind of every year this is getting bigger and we're a younger business and you can grow quickly. So we definitely extended ourselves going into this year. Yeah. So, so you're just, it's that constant struggle, but entrepreneurial wise, I'm always, I'm very driven for that. And I'm always got a little side, side venture idea going and trying to yeah. do something, but which works well for us, what we do in the AV world. We're, yeah. we're, me- we're meeting lots of people and yeah. making amazing connections every day. Yeah, it's just interesting. You don't often talk to people who are running their own business while being somewhat involved in operations in a larger business. 
uh, as well. So, um, you know, it's, I think it's a unique opportunity to be able to do both and to kind of maximize on both. And then also to take on this, you know, third role, which we're really here to talk about as well. So absolutely. Yeah. So, so one day you're in the AV business and, um, let's say what date was it? February 10th or something, February 15th. Yeah. Well, I would even say it's earlier than that. I think it was maybe around the first week in February. It was a a French client in LA. We were going back and forth about kind of this whole rendering of event. They had this whole cosmetic launch we were doing up on top of, you know, top floor, one of the buildings in LA. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, what what do we want to do? Can you get me the actual AV requirements? Are we going to go an LED wall? Are we going to go TVs into the set? And then the conversation, just kind of shifted, you know, we're going to have to pull the plug on this and we're going to, we're going to postpone this indefinitely um, because of the coronavirus concerns. And it kind of hit me, wow, this is not a Southeast Asia problem. This is about to start affecting our business here in the U S very quickly, potentially. So that was the first red alert flag. And then it was talking with, you know, the other leadership within Digirati about, you know, Hey, this is something we might see on the horizon. Let's just start looking at this. And of course, by, you know, mid-February, okay, we're starting to see events fall off in March. And then by, by, the, by the end of February, it's already, all, right, all right, what are we going to do? Because March is probably going to be gone. Right. We're crossing our fingers about April, but let's have the plan. And unfortunately, that plan was put in place, had to be executed to every worst case scenario after that. Yeah. So did you actually get laid off? Uh, yes. Yeah. So but at the same time, you know, there's a relationship in these businesses. No, so of it's, course. am I still working? Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a, it's a weird, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Nudge and a wink. Right. I get it. Um, well, and everybody's going to be back working as soon as that money shows up, you know, because exactly. we, we have to spend 75% of it on payroll. So, um, but you know, the, the interesting timing or, or the interesting dynamic of all of this in such a horrible time is that companies are laying off sometimes like, you know, I, I listened to one podcast that was the CEO and founder of Shake Shack and um, he laid off, if I remember correctly, it was like 2,100 of his 2,200 employees. Ooh. That's 95% of your employees. That's a bad yeah. week for for you and the employees, but you know, companies are being so, uh, just kind and so empathetic and so real about it all. Like it's not just, Hey, I'm taking all the money, get lost. It's, you know, we need to do this. I'm really sorry. We're going to do everything we can to help you. We'll pay your health insurance for a couple of weeks. We'll call you back as soon as we can. You know, but at the same time, I mean, if the company can't afford to keep its doors open, they're no Mm -hmm. good to either of you. Right. And and I think that was what really hard for the production industry, because we had to do it way before everyone else in in the nation did. So the conversation was very difficult with our guys because they didn't see it on the level we saw it. And we knew completely that this had to be done before other businesses. You saw these mass layoffs across the country but we got hit first. Like we knew these show, everything was falling off the books. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, let's call it, you know, mid February or whatever you, you, you know, you get laid off and you're thinking, you know, okay, this is getting really serious. We got to do something or maybe it happened before uh, you got laid off or whatever, mm-hmm. but you're, you're thinking I've got to do something like you're sitting there feeling rather hopeless or whatever. What, how did these thoughts process for you to come to the point of launching this petition for the COVID-19 petition? So it was a combination with, um, my good buddy, Trevor Zelinke and kind of, I mean, when we first did it, you know, a week ago, I was having conversations. What can we do? You know, I'm calling up my buddy, I'm like, hey, this is about to happen. Everyone's going to be out of work. They're not going to have money. What can we do just to start a fund and raise money? And he's like, oh, I don't know if we could do that, but it's an amazing idea. But I mean, how could we pull that off? Or, you know, can we write, start lobbying for attention for this? And this was probably, probably March, right around March 1 is when I was starting thinking these thoughts. And then, you know, just having these conversations within the business and talking about, well, what are we going to do during this time? And I kind of made a statement at one point, you know, we could try to, you know, do sales and talk to future clients and really, Hey, we we're all down now. Let's take some time and really talk about what business looks like on the outside of this and plan some events. 
and then we tried that and it was like, what are you doing? Don't call me. Yeah. And the, so the next thought is I said, you know, I don't know what we can do other than this. I mean, we could, we could plan and do inventory and work on all this stuff, but I mean, the only thing I think we can do during this time is build relationships. And I just made that statement. And then, I mean, I had been obviously because I knew what was happening. I was down in the dumps, you know, so I was already at home and just like, all right, I don't know what's going to do. These next weeks are going to be terrible. Do you and have kids? Then, do you have kids at home? I do. Yeah. I have four children at home, seven, so, seven, five and two year old twins. So oh, wow. So it's very different. <laughs> I mean, when you're used to an office environment and working around adults in a very fast paced sort of, okay, we got to do this. We got to do this. And now all of a sudden you've got four kids tugging yeah. at you saying, daddy, let's play baseball. You know, oh, or, <laughs> that, I mean, that was in my vision in my head is, well, we're going to be downtime. My son's going to, he's, he's a great baseball player. We're going to be training two hours a day and this kid's going to be throwing 70 miles an hour yeah. at eight years old by the time we're done with this. Yeah. But what really woke me up was that Wednesday night when uh, President Trump addressed the nation and I just, it clicked. I heard, heard the mention of the airline interest industry and the cruise ship industry and that, you know, we, we create a bailout package for 50 billion. I quickly thought I, it just dawned on me wow, we're not even a thought right now. Yeah. And I said, that's scary. So the next day I get on the phone with uh, my good friend, Trevor, who's works with me at Digirati. And he just basically, we're, I'm just talking this through and like, this is crazy. Like, what is our industry going to do? Like, we're going to just knowing how bad this was going to be for this industry, because I've been thinking about it for a month. And then he said, you know, you said something, we can only build relationships. I think you should go write a petition. <laughs> and I was like, Okay. <laughs> and so I sat down and for about, you know, spent about probably three hours going through just crafting the thoughts, rewriting it a couple of times and doing the best economic data research that I could possibly do in about 30 minutes to yeah. like come up with some semblance of what would a bailout even look like for our industry? What would the numbers be? Because I felt like you, you can't just tell people what the problem is. I'm always in I'm production. I'm always about this is your problem and here's some solutions. So yeah. I had to give solutions in this petition. And so I spitballed it, got my wife to proofread it and about three o'clock on Thursday afternoon, just shot it out there quickly, just went to every Facebook group I knew, possibly knew for production guys and stagehands and, you know, places where I would go to find labor in a pinch or things like that and just started posting this thing. And then people started signing it quickly and I went away and then came back and I was like, all of a sudden, maybe within like 45 minutes, an hour, a thousand people had signed it. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there just watching it all night. You can't, I mean, it's like, you can't take your eyes off the screen. Like yeah. every five minutes, refresh. I was like, this isn't slowing down. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're up to like 15,000, like at 4 a.m. in the morning. And I'm sitting here writing updates to the petition, like, thank you, keep sharing. And yeah. like putting it out there. And then the thing just took off through just from kind of the bottom of the industry with stagehands and and technicians and just started going all over. So when you say the industry, like you said, you sat down for 30 minutes to try and figure out the numbers and stuff. So you come from more of an AV background. Um, yeah. Were you also paying attention to the touring industry and to the uh, corporate theater and to, you know, all the different parts, theater, Broadway, you know, television? You know, when I first wrote it, I thought about... I knew stage, I knew that from the, I thought about touring. I definitely thought that, and I couldn't quickly find numbers of how to kind of mesh that together. And I knew had prior, I had obviously done market research in our sector where we really focus on the trade shows, the conferences, the corporate events. I knew our numbers were pretty significant. Yeah. So I knew I could go pull from numbers from that. But the cool thing was though, that quickly as this petition got out, I quickly realized, holy cow, Live events is way, I mean, I use this term live events and I didn't realize how big it was going to be, how, how much of us are really in live events and totally interconnected. And, and what really quickly developed was this whole idea of live events is much more than just the business corporate side that we, that I work in and much more than just the entertainment and the touring side. And even the, even that side got huger in my mind. I didn't even think about Broadway, even though you know, I have a good friend from college who's one of the leads in Hamilton, you know, they're a live event just like we are. Mm -hmm. Additionally, I didn't think about, additionally, it was separate in my mind. You know, we, the sports leagues were postponing. That was big happening then. It didn't dawn on me. Hold on. All professional sports are live events and they're yeah. in the same boat we are. Pretty much any, and it really came down to within like the day after I wrote the petition, I realized 
you know, we are the large gatherings industry. So if we can't have large gatherings, our industry literally should be made up and we should define ourselves that anything where we draw our revenue from the gathering of social, social and business events for, for a purpose like yeah. that. And restaurants is a gray area because they have a venue side, but they, I always thought they're a little bit different and they have a separate lobby, but they're in that hospitality that kind of basically supports live right, events. So there's right. this crossover between that. Well, even sports are unique in that um, I believe that most of the major sports leagues, let's say this continues on till the end of the year, God forbid. Um, I believe the NFL will be able to start. They just might start with either a limited or non-existent uh, live crowd. And, yeah. you know, as bizarre as that is, I believe most of the NFL's revenue comes not from the people in the seats, but the people behind the screen watching television. So, you know, they can safely put a crew in there and safely put a team mm-hmm. on the field without people, you know, getting sick by playing football or whatever. And I think that's the right thing to do because I think, you know, the nation needs to be able to watch live sports. We want to watch the NFL <laughs> kick off, you know, in, in uh, October or September or whatever it is. Um, <clears throat> you know, so I, I think uh, like the one that's doing it right now, and I doubt you're a big fan, but I'm a UFC fan. Yeah, and, I heard about and, this. And yeah, Dana White, <laughs> I think has, as of yesterday on my happy hour, I heard that uh, he's got some private island rented or something and they're doing the fight on the private island next weekend and uh because nowhere in the u.s he can do you know a live sporting event like that so uh, um you know i i think sports are a little bit separate you know i'm a huge racing fan formula one i believe will get back to racing relatively soon uh probably july or something um and yeah, they may not have the big crowds there, but yeah. they'll still show the races on television. That's where they make yeah. the real they'll money. Get, they'll at least get some that t- TV revenue. I do think the NFL's. I mean, having spent a couple, paid for a couple Bears tickets last year yeah. to take my wife to the game, they do make a, a decent amount of money on those ticket sales. Of course but, they do. Of course they do. But, but it's billions it's, of dollars it, in television rights and stuff. Exactly. You know? so. and, and right now that we need content. And I do th- I do agree completely with you that they will get back to business a lot faster than what what we have in the in the 100% pure live events realm of people paying to actually go to an event or an event being there in per- person that doesn't have a value or revenue generated from being televised. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so you you kicked out this uh um, petition, the COVID-19 pe- petition. And I remember, you know, I hated you for a couple of days cause I was getting, it was filling my, my, uh, <laughs> Facebook feed and everything. I mean, I was just getting hammered by friends asking me to sign this thing, which I signed the first time I saw it. The first time it came through my, my inbox, I, I signed it. And, um, so, you know, I, I saw this thing obviously happening i'm thinking okay you know somebody's on to something here this is growing and um so you know the next day the next day how how did that all go for you so what what started happening is i mean like the first day so it launched on a thursday and by friday afternoon i started getting messages on linkedin and people just finding me and one of the first calls i got was from eileen balwa from prg who uh, does a ton of big production for them mm-hmm. she's a senior vp and so that call was just a real congratulatory and like, you know, if I can do anything, just feel free to reach out. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. I just talked to the woman who produces the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, wow, this, this thing is going to do something to my life and social life somehow. I don't know how yet, but it's going to change. So I started getting these messages and calls from people and it dawned on me. I had a couple of people that said, Hey, I want to do more. Well, I started thinking, well, what's more? I don't know hundred percent yet but why don't I just throw some ideas out to them? So I said, instead of just calling people individually, I said, Hey, Saturday morning, 10 AM, are, are you guys available Two people? I asked, are you available to a conference call? I have a couple of people that are interested in what we could do beyond just this petition. And so on that conference call, it ended up being six people. Cause you know, another couple, four, four more people hit me up and was like, what can I do? And I just shot it out to anyone who reached out to me and email, Hey, if you can make it, make it. And so from that conference call, I was like, all right, everyone just kind of, it was interesting. Everyone was saying the same things. And it wasn't just the same things that when they're in the petition, it was the same things we were all feeling. And it was just that, that continual one thing. The, you could talk to everyone here. Everyone quickly grasped 
we were the first to be affected and we're going to be the last one to come out of it. And so from that call, you know, we said, well, we'll have another call tomorrow on Sunday and figure out what our next steps are. And it kind of came like, you know, we take this position and we kind of, we know, we know that, you know, a petition, you know, is it going to really get to the president's desk, to the Congress's desk? Maybe it will, maybe it won't just from people signing it. But what can we do to actually do what other organizations are doing, do letter writing and just activism around it. So we started with that idea, kept doing calls. And then I think it was maybe the next Tuesday or Wednesday, I was on a webinar with um, the International Live Events uh, Association, um, their Austin chapter, and they had a cool little webinar. And I just started talking about the petition and they kind of wanted me to speak about, you know, this petition, how it took off and the, you know, potential grassroots movement that was happening behind it. And then as I was talking with everyone in the, in the thing and in the webinar, it kind of dawned on me um, the idea of what was happening for our industry and why we kind of got caught flat footed is we all really aren't, don't realize how big we were. We have these strong silos in each sector of the live events industry, but we, we never have actually collaborated to the point on to have to, we've never had to collaborate on the point of national level because this is unprecedented to actually advocate for all of our interests at once. And so it dawned on me that it wasn't really that we needed to create a movement to, you know, get these asks addressed. The biggest thing in the interim was to actually try to mobilize everyone to become a one large coalition of the entire broad industry so that when you put that whole industry together, all those voices together, it's a very powerful lobby to get some, get some attention and get some, um, get some specific remedies from Washington because now Washington can realize how large our industry truly is. So that's right. kind of where the cult, this idea of, because before we were just a petition, everyone's like, let's support the petition, get it spread. Let's make this, let's get millions of people to sign that. But that kind of point, and then having starting to have that conversation on this conference call that we were doing daily, which then had ballooned to maybe 20 people. Now it's like around 40 to 50, 60 people that are kind of engaged really in volunteering and committees. But out of that kind of came this idea of we need to form a coalition. And, and then we had some people who wanted to do fundraising. And so someone said, well, we can get our lawyers to draft up the document for, at, at pro bono and we can form a 501c6 to actually be an official organization and, and kind of create and act what our vision was to unify the entire live events industry. And we get a lot of questions about, you know, what is our purpose? And I mean, is there a purpose beyond this? I don't know. Um, right now the focus is just trying to unite the industry and making sure we're all taking care of each other and we're getting our, getting the voice heard well, really well for the entire industry in Washington. And it was, and it's really, we're not, and the other questions people get, well, are you trying to replace any organization? The answer to that is no, there's a lot of great organizations out there. We're really trying to just create where we saw a need for uniting pretty much a top to bottom coalition because we have a ton of support just from the workers but we also have a number of companies, larger companies, I mean, PRG signing on. So it's this really great coalition of grassroots where you have unlikely partners working together all in the same interest. And the hope is to get the large trade organizations in the, in the live events entertainment side and also the live events corporate and business side and then the wedding side to, and social side to, to all come together as one. And we actually had a great conversation this morning around it talking with uh, Florida, Florida International University is going to kind of be one of our leading higher ed partners and kind of work to get these hospitality programs to help supporting it. But it's just, it's really about just creating this movement to create a really strong voice because it, it, when you look at the numbers, we're much larger and we are very, and we fuel the airline industry, but they have a very strong presence in Washington because they've been doing it before and they know they're, they're all together. They know their numbers well versus the live events. We haven't ever had to do it. Meetings, meetings business was a is a great example of what we are in a sense is they were, they reacted to the crisis in 2008 when people, when the nation didn't understand the importance of business meetings and conferences, and they were being called junkets and meetings, meetings business quickly activated and said, no, no, there is a huge industry behind this. This is driving a lot of revenue. This needs to happen. So we're similar. We're kind of like, in a sense, following in their footsteps and trying to bring together now a larger live events coalition to get more attention to what live events needs from the federal government. And I think the amazing part of this is whether we get, we know we're going to survive this somehow, some way, but at the end of this, when you get more people talking and collaborating together, it's interesting where we could take live events from this. Yeah. And you know, when there's more collaborations between these different silos. 
So a, a couple of questions, you know, you talk about when we get through this and we're going to survive this and things like that. Um, do you think you're going to maintain the same passion and interest level from people, from PRG, from the other companies out there that are supporting it, from this uh, group that you say are turning up on these, uh, is it daily conference calls that you're doing right now? Uh, we've actually had to cut back the conference calls because they got too big. And at some point you have to start comp compartmentalizing the activities. So really we're having multiple conference calls within committees. Right. So we have different committees. And then like today we're going to do a big uh, kind of large conference call, kind of like a town hall at this point. It's kind of crazy that after three weeks I can say we have an organization where we have a, a town hall meeting to talk about now what our organizational structure is. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's incredible. I mean, so I guess my question is, you know, does the passion and does the, the excitement and interest level continue, you know, once we see daylight on the other end of this thing. And I keep calling it day 91, which we thought when, when I was calling it day 91, we thought that was incredibly conservative and we were really going to be looking at 61 days, uh, you know, meaning the day that you're walking out of this, the day that you've recovered and you're going, ah, look at the sunlight, let's go to work. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I know the answer is that the people that are involved in leading this are very passionate and seeing where this can go beyond this, because there are other needs that, that can be met by a, a coalition like that, that aren't being met right, right now. Um, right. there are, there are needs and things because, you know, this, the issue is all, the main issue is tr because of this crisis, we saw there's a very vulnerable section of the live events industry. And it's that's these very small businesses and the large freelancer community that have very different needs than other freelancers in that, you know, there's the freelancers union and things like that, just for general free people that are now working in the modern economy as gig workers. But we see that there's definitely needs around freelancers and some different types of supports that maybe we can address at the end of this. Right. Um, no, but I right now, like I, I said, agree. we're just so focused. Yeah. 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 So, you know, is this your full-time gig now? Um, no, I mean, it's, it, it is. Okay. Yes. It's the full-time gig, but I mean, it's a 20 hour day job at this point doing this and making sure the other things that are happening need to happen and collaborating on, on other projects and getting ready. You know, there's still, i still have a business to help with and discussing with management, you know, we applying for the P, PPP loans and making sure we have a plan to bring guys back and having conference calls with them. But right. now this is, this is definitely a full time and a half, you know, it's beyond a full time job. It's complete passion. Yeah. And so, you know, hopefully at some point, obviously, you know, once it becomes a full blown, uh, not for profit, hopefully it can pay you some sort of a salary. I would think maybe, I yeah. mean, I, I, I love, I love what I do on shows. So I don't know if I'd ever leave per yeah. se, yeah. but I mean, I don't know how this, I don't know how this coalition potentially will evolve, but I know, and having calls like with FIU this morning and finding this niche, because there is this need, like events is such a strong industry. And what I'd like to see come out of it too, is that we get recognized on the federal level as the live events industry. And we actually start seeing true paths into these careers that we see there's already talking with FIU, the biggest demand they have right now in high hospitality programs is for event management and event technology. Mm -hmm. And so getting actually maybe some getting higher education involved at the end of this too, as well to really, because I know for me, I have a huge labor shortage getting good guys to continue to be out on shows. Right. Um, you know, I'm hiring friends from high school that are just out of work at times and say, Hey, here, come here, get a little training, hop in a truck, drive here. <laughs> yeah. Follow him around and, and, and wrap that cable right. Or we're going to strangle you. <laughs> but the coalition, what, what really is the, um, I guess end game today for the coalition. So you're lobbying, obviously trying mm -hmm. to get funding for, uh, people in our industry, whether it's freelancers, gig workers, whatever, small businesses. So you're helping to create a lobby or a voice to Washington, mm -hmm. a, a louder, bigger voice, a more collective voice, I guess. Um, yeah. other than, you know, just me screaming at Washington or PRG screaming at Washington, you've now got a, co a collective, uh, or a coalition of people yeah. that are yeah. screaming at Washington in competition with, you know, airlines and other people who want money as well. But beyond going to Washington for money, what are we trying to accomplish? Uh, we're trying to accomplish a level of awareness and respect 
nationally with an everyday person because we're an industry that is known for being very good at what we do and that's being behind the scenes. So no one knows we exist. Yeah. And we're much larger than people realize. And so the goal of this is we it'd be nice where I don't have to explain to you know my aunt, you know, I work in live events. Oh, what's that? Are you a DJ? Yeah. Um it would be nice to it would be nice at the end of this that we have a respect. I think we have a respect, not saying we're disrespected, but it would be nice that people know that the, that the live events industry is the second largest sector of the economy employment wise. I mean, there's different ways you can look at it. I mean, revenue wise, we're dependent on other things, but the numbers, the numbers that are employed through live events are, are just staggering. Hmm. That's that's very interesting. So speaking of numbers, tell me some numbers like how how big did the petition get? Um, just how big is this movement getting that you've created? Oh, well, right now the petition's close to 500,000 signatures and that's, that's pretty well, it's slowed down a lot because, you know, it's gone through the main industry circles and it, and you know, it gets limited to where you are. I think there's a lot more people that will end up signing onto it that are in our industry that just hasn't reached them. And, you know, not everyone signs a petition because I mean, honestly, before this, I've signed maybe four or five petitions in my life because the average person thinks is a petition really effective. And I would, you know, four weeks ago, I don't, I probably wouldn't have told you, I have no idea. And now I can tell you, yeah, petition can be very effective because there's just so much that moves with it. Um, so numbers wise, that's where we're at with the petition. Um, we have about 40 to 60 people. We have about, so we have 60 people engaged on a national level trying to lead this in committees and push things forward and ideas. Um, we have a small, I basically compartmentalize. I have a leadership um, kind of executive committee of about six people that started in the beginning who really showed a passion and were continuing on the phone with me developing this. So they're really the core leadership team at this point. And, you know, as, as we get larger and add people and key partners on that leadership team will grow and eventually we'll have to have an intern board. Um, numbers wise, we have, we've really stalled a little in, we have a lot of people who signed up companies wise and the support has signed on to the petition, but we're really looking to engage this next week of creating like a logo page, but also working with those people. So we have about a hundred companies that say they want to, they want to partner to some extent and support the petition. And we're going to be engaging them very much in the next week. So that's where our numbers wise now numbers wise and what the industry looks like. I mean, we're estimating when, when all said and told, told that you're looking around probably 10 to 12 million workers in that were, are wow. connected in some way to a live event. Cause you're looking at just the corporate and meetings business side of things. In 2006, the studies, uh, excuse me, 2016, the study showed that it supports 5. million, And that's, you're just talking about that one section. When you start talking about everything that touches a live event to event florist to the weddings industry, when you start bringing in, I mean, live events, you have to include gigging, full-time gigging musicians and, and local cities that just derive their income just on playing events, playing, playing venues, playing small venues, playing weddings. Yeah. There's a, you just, you start to see, wow. Caterers, this is, truck drivers. You, yeah, know, you got it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's so many people involved in putting an event on, whether it's mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a festival concert or like you said, weddings and corporate meetings and all kinds of things. So, yeah, I mean, I think people forget about a lot of those fringe people. They think, okay, you've got four musicians on stage. You've got, (laughs) you know, 12 guys on the lighting crew, eight guys on the audio crew, uh, a designer, a front of house guy. You know, I mean, we're not talking about very big numbers here, are we? <laughs> you no. know, but it's it's so no, false. But when you yeah. when you think about all the people that came and brought that whole event together, yeah, uh, it's it just gets crazy. So, have you been raising funds, or like, are that you? Is, is it privately funded? Is it? Uh yeah. Right now, it's just out of my pocket and some of the other people's yeah. pockets. But I mean, interesting enough, we got a bank account two weeks ago, not two weeks ago, two days ago. Oh, wow. and right now we're just in the first. I've just actually put out a a call last night just to get people to chip in what they can within this first 60 of the leadership. Cause I believe, you know, if you're leading this thing, you need to put a little bit, whatever you can put behind what we're doing. Right. And then we'll probably start the people who will probably start reaching out to people who signed the petition and very, and very nicely, you know, give what you can, because we're not looking for anyone to put themselves in a bad financial position. But at the same time, there is, we, we put that petition out on change.org and we found had I known the platform obviously has a lot of name recognition, but 
quickly I found out that they've changed some fundraising practices that I probably would don't agree with. Um, so I think there are, we have no idea how much money actually got donated to change.org in that petition. We have reached out to their CEO to try to have a discussion with them. That hasn't gone so well yet, but that can be a developing thing that we work on. But we know that people were passionate in putting towards the cause and the goal would be to get some monies to kind of make sure the organization is able to function. But we have a PR campaign going on. We're really trying to get a lot of of high profile endorsements. Hang on a sec though, back to this change.org thing. So people (laughs) donated money and we don't know where that went. Uh, yeah. Well, oh we know where it God. went. Ouch. So we know we do know where it went. We just don't know how much because change.org um, and at the beginning of this year had changed where they used to act, they used to raise funds and the funds would actually go to support the petition because they say, oh, the petition writer may need gas money to go deliver the petition. He may need to do this, this or that. And they would say, well, you can donate money and we'll just take like five, a half a percent or five percent. I'm not exactly sure. I don't remember exactly what it was. But then they changed to, no, we're not a fundraising platform. And they basically make, they, they use language. They're also not, they're, they're, they use the .org, but they're actually a for-profit corporation, a B type, which makes, means they have some social interest involved. But they, when you sign the petition, it asks you to chip in money. Yeah. And they give a suggestion, then they give a list of, hey, this is what other people have put, have put yeah. and put towards this. And so it's become more of a profit revenue generating thing for them than supporting the actual petitions. Well, and sadly, there's a lot of people, myself being one of them, who would help anyone, you know, and and I like to help people one-on-one because I can see them, I know their family, you know, here, let me me help you out and, and, you know, help you ride Mm -hmm. through this or whatever. I've always been a little bit leery of GoFundMe and all of these different online funding mediums because... You know, you hear like, you know, there's a range of 1% to 30% that they're keeping of, of the funds that are raised. And, you know, I don't care who you are. You shouldn't be keeping 30% of, of my money yeah. if I'm raising it for a good cause. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean. Yeah, and I never, I was never looking to make money on the petition, but there was definitely a lot of um, somewhat, it was a little bit damaging to my reputation at points because people had thought that I was, I was getting the money personally from that. Some of yeah. my people actually that got laid off earlier in our company, you know, at question and rightfully so. I mean, if I saw that too, and that, the funny thing is change.org really did never even showed me that this is how they, they asked for money. They may have put it in the fine print, but they, they really keep it away from the petition writer right. in a sense. Yeah, so I guess people are giving to this. I guess if you could go back and do one thing differently, it might be that aspect of it. So it might be. Yeah. Has anything come directly from the petition? Like, not these are all sort of, you know, fringe values and benefits and things uh, that have happened just from the surge of, of popularity and information exchange. But from the petition itself, have you gotten a call from a senator or anything? I have not spoken with any political um, people. Surprisingly, um, we've put it out there to people, but I mean, maybe I know that people who are involved with this, involved with this have gone and taken it to their representatives, but no one has actually reached out to talk directly with us. Um, more Crazy. so it's been the press. The press has definitely reached out and taken on this, but I also know that every, and that's kind of where we're at with this whole lobbying effort. It doesn't make sense to raise a ton of money and hire a, uh, an army of lobbyists. I don't know if that's the answer either because we're just in an unprecedented time. If we were, I think if we were in a normal time, we had a petition like this, you know, yeah, we'd probably be getting a lot of calls from, from lawmakers. Hey, I want to, I'm interested in what you got here. You got a half million people in no you know, a couple of weeks and yeah. let's talk. But right now they're just pulled so many different ways trying to address this. And it's all about, so our focus really is not, we do need to get into the lobbying game and work with other organizations that already have lobbyists. But I think we have to really focus where other people aren't and try to create a PR campaign in a sense yeah. on a national level, level and break through to the American public yeah. at the same time we're breaking through to our lawmakers. No, I, I completely agree with you. And by the way, I need to apologize because I am recording from home and I've got landscapers right outside my door right now that are <laughs> That's all right. operating I, I got a all nice look at this is the, this is the garage studio here, so you might hear uh, a few birds coming very in the nice. background. Very nice. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I literally have a guy with like some big leaf blower thing who's about to walk up on my patio, and it's making a whole lot of noise. And I've got the gate on my microphone, but you still might be able to hear it loud and clear here any second. So, 
Here he uh, comes. We'll right. He's coming right up on my patio now. So anyways, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, to me, a half a million people on a petition has got to get the attention of some people. And, um, you know, from that aspect, you know, you've certainly created something amazing uh, on the petition itself. Um, as for the coalition, like, you know, my fear is the same thing as, you know, with the federal government and everything else. Like it's it's out of sight, out of mind. So once this crisis is over, people's intentions or passion towards a project or excitement or whatever kind of weans and, and goes away again. And, you know, we forget about the fact that we had a pandemic and, and you know, the government goes back to doing what the government does. Healthcare goes back to normal. Everything kind of flattens out again. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that's, that's my concern with something like this. Like, I hope you don't experience that because I think yeah. there's a need for what you're doing. And, that, and, that, and that's the piece why I think we really have to push hard to get the coalition because our biggest fight is going to be that everything's going to start getting back to normal, but not for us. Yeah. And so we're going to have to be very loud as this country goes back to normal and we're not. And our families aren't and our incomes aren't. So we're going to have to, and that's why right now what we're calling for is a stabilization plan that, that looks at the live events industry and says, we need to stabilize this for six to 12, 18 months, even to to have a, have a plan. Not that maybe we'll need to, but we need to have a plan in place. So it's not, we're not, we're not feeling it before it happens. We need to know what needs to be done. Yeah. Like, I mean, a week ago, the, the PPP program was, it looked amazing, but the problem is, so you have to spend 75% uh, of the money on your payroll, but a lot of companies have no reason to bring people back to work. Like what, how many people can you have sweeping your shop? How many people can you have, you know, uh, counting your money when there's no money Ultimately, Ultimately it's, it's just unemployment through the companies. And in one sense, because in our industry, to some extent, and we, I mean, our guys were thinking what we can do some things from work home, excuse me, from home, we could work on inventory together, create some standard operating, improve standard operating procedures. But you're absolutely right. You know, it, it only it helps the workers, helps the people. But right now we are an, also an industry that's very technology heavy. And we're talking about being down eight, 10, eight, 10 months. And that eight, 10 months, there's a ton of capital investment we would need to make to improve our equipment and our ability to deliver at the highest level. So one of the things we're calling for, we to stabilize our industry is not just about the workers, it's about the companies and providing some level of actualized net profits beyond what just overhead is because we have to have some money to start flowing into the businesses and manufacturers we support. Because when we think about live events too, we have to think about there are a number of companies and suppliers and manufacturers that are building equipment that only we buy. Yeah. And if we don't have money to purchase from them, they're, they're going to be down even longer than us to some extent. Wow. Rental companies. I mean, everyone all yeah. the way down the line, you know, I've, I've talked to a few rental company mm-hmm. owners who are very conservative, very financially stable, very secure companies who don't think they'll survive. And exactly. that's scary. Like when, you know, I, mm-hmm. okay, so you look at the, the companies who are already struggling three months ago, that's different. But when you're talking about companies that weren't, you know, buried in debt or highly leveraged or any of those mm-hmm. things, they were very successful, very conservative financial companies talking about closing their doors. I mean, that's, that's a bit frightening and sad, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I guess, I guess that leads me into the point, right? We, we kind of, the petition had to shift. I mean, initially I created a, a bailout based on 30 minutes of research on meetings and means business studies. I mean, now being in this about four weeks now and about this got done about three weeks ago or to a week ago, uh, our, our asks have now migrated to kind of four areas. And the first area is stabilizing, you know, the workers and the families. Um, we, we hear a lot of talk from Washington about this is no one's fault and they shouldn't have to suffer. Well, unfortunately, if, if it's unemployment, a lot of us are going to suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not unemployment is what you max out and best case scenario, even with the extra 600 a week, you're still maxing out in the fifties. We have a very strong middle-class industry where a lot of families are single income families because the other, because someone has to go out on the road for, you know, 50, 60% yeah, of, the, of, the, of the year. Very good so, point. so when we have a cap at a hundred thousand dollars, 
that's not going to work. We have a lot of people who may are making a lot more than that in these small businesses that aren't going to be able to pay their bills and they're going to have to down. That's not going to be good for the economy. So we're looking at stabilizing families and we believe that a family should be able to actualize at least 90% of what their expected uh, yearly income was going to be this year. You know, we're, we can't be made whole. We can sacrifice like everyone, but for the good of the good economy, keep good of everything moving and continuing on and supporting people. I think a family should see 90% of what they had before. Right. Right. That makes um, sense. Yeah. And on the healthcare side, we know there are things in the works, but we just want to make sure that people understand on Washington, they need to make sure that our workers are being included because a lot of our workers got laid off and we lost, they lost insurance. We want to make sure that there's not going to be a two month waiting period and that it's clear of like, what is the plan? Is it going to be Cobra that's covered? What, how are we subsidizing that interim healthcare? So that's the other main point that we're bringing to the back to the petition to ask for specifically. Um, the next piece is on the business side to stabilize businesses. We would like to see the insurance industry engaged during this time. We believe this is confusing for them, similar to like 9-11 was. It's a huge hit all at once and they don't know how to respond and I don't blame them. I mean, you know, just thousands, at this point, it's not even thousands. We're talking millions of events have, are now being canceled or, or will be canceled over this pandemic. And what, how, does, how does insurance cover that and what type of insurance coverages are on that? force majeure business disruption, right? They don't know how to handle this. So we need to see some type of collaboration between the insurance industry, the federal government who actually doesn't fully oversee insurance. They do a little, but actually it's more the state governments that regulate insurances. So there's gotta be a collaboration there to create some type of fund of how is insurance going to actually help stabilize our industry? Right. What about Especially in what light. about indemnification? Like, have 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 you yeah. talked about that? Discussed that? Because I know I've had a lot of discussions with even people, including uh, Live Nation and AEG, about you know one of the things that needs to happen going forward for restaurants to open, for events to happen is that these business owners and uh, promoters and artists and venues need mm -hmm. to be indemnified if someone comes to that event willingly, knowing that there might be sick people in the crowd and you might bump into someone who has a virus and yeah. not being able to sue the promoter or the artist or the venue for that, you know? That's a good point. If, if I, I think, choose I to go eat in a that. restaurant once restaurants reopen, and, you know, I bring my family and we're not wearing masks and other people in the restaurant aren't wearing masks or whatever. The restaurant owner should not be put in jail or be put out of business for that uh, if that happens. And nor should insurance companies have to pay out billions of dollars. So I think the no. Fed needs to step in with some sort of an indemnification law. That's a, yeah, and I think that that's part of that whole conversation with insurance. And I mean, at the same time, I and mean, we were seeing it with car insurance too, like car, some car insurance is giving actually customers back. Yeah. Well, the live events industry is now not operating and we're still paying the same premium levels. So right. there's got to be some type of give and yeah. we got to figure out and collaborate. You know, yeah. we have to figure this out. It's not an easy fix. I don't, I know I don't hold anything, any begrudging feelings towards insurance industry. We've been this in this for now four weeks and you can't figure out an answer to this in four right. weeks. Right. Right. So that's one of the points is insurance. And then the final point we look at for businesses that like I was saying before, businesses need to be stabilized in our industry. They will, our industry will not be able to come back from this if we're not just paying for the minimal overhead and to bring some employees back. Right. There's gotta be some type of cash flow. So what we're calling for is an 80% actualization of net profits after overhead and standard operating, basically your OPEX expenses, so that there is money there to continue to flow through our sector of the economy and to the and to the other sectors of the economy we support in manufacturing, these other things, so we're prepared to come back for the onslaught of events. Because we know some things are gonna come back slow, but other things are gonna come back very fast. And we're gonna be, we sell time. And, yeah. and you, you, you can only squeeze time into those open venue availability dates so much. Yeah, well, so, I, I have two more questions, really. One is, yeah. um, so I'm, let's say I'm a lighting designer or I'm a gig worker of some sort, and I am able to get Isaac on the phone. Isaac, what can you do for me? What can I do for you? Um, I can hear, hear what your specific needs are. Um, I really wanna hear from people that have good ideas that 
kind of what their issues are, their angle on the topic and kind of bring that in. I can help put you in touch with any knowledge or any, anyone I know in the industry right now or anyone who we've connected with in this coalition who can maybe help you solve a problem. I can also bring light to your story. Um, we're working with a lot of good contacts in the press who are really loving what we've done. And they're continually asking us, hey, if you have a great something, if you have something that is a good angle to report on that needs to be heard nationally, give it to us. We're going to write on it immediately. Yeah. So I can oh, offer you that. That's a great answer. I mean, giving giving me a louder voice because I'm just one individual. I'm yeah. some gig worker in Iowa or something. Who's going to listen to me? But if I'm now part of this coalition or at least covered by this coalition. Yeah. If you jump in our Facebook group, I was in there last night at like 2, 3 a.m. telling people, hey, uh, write this up, send me an email. I'm going to forward it on to someone. I mean, we're, that's just the passion of the people that are working. It's just, like I said, I want to be clear. This is not just me at this point. We're yeah. dealing with a great group of we are. Right. at this point. Right. There's a lot of people who are putting in amazing hours behind the scenes. But it's I mean, still too early. Like you can't actually put someone in contact with a bank who can provide him money yet. You can't, um, like you don't quite have those I, lines I have all a couple, connected. There's a couple friends actually that I have now in banks that I probably could make a couple calls if they're having issues. Yeah. Um, but there's a couple regional banks that are being a lot more flexible. There's I'm assuming a, at I've some point in the next couple of months, you're actually yeah. going to have, you know, ports uh, uh, right on your website where there's a portal yeah. where somebody can go in and see all of the resources that are available to them. I'm a gig yeah. worker. I'm a small business. I'm a medium sized business. Yeah. I'm a venue. I'm a promoter. Yep. And they can go in and get all of their different benefits based on, and mm-hmm. you know, that comes with funding, obviously you need people to build those things. Yeah. We need people to build it right yeah. now. It's just kind of an ugly, just here, there's all the resources. <laughs> yeah. God bless you. If you can't, if you're having an issue, you can't find what you need there, reach out to one of us. But yeah, no, the website's going to get a big jump this weekend. We got, we had actually flex rental solutions kind of sit right away, sent over one of their guys who got us a website up and running quickly. That's cool. But now we're moving on to step two. We have to, you know, the level that this organization has moved to the website needs to reflect that. So we're actually going to have a full blown web design, hopefully launching within the next 72 hours. It's going to be a whole lot more functional and have the ability to add on quickly those modules, like you're saying of resources, because as you know, this, this crisis is changing by, by the, not even the day at this point, you know, things are developing every 12 hours. Well, and these poor folks, cause you know, I've been a, I've been a resource in that I'm constantly putting out podcasts, but, and also doing these happy hours and zoom calls and things that I'm doing with a lot of people. And what I'm finding is there's so much noise and people just don't know what to do. Like if I'm a gig worker, I don't know where to go. I know that there's some sort of money available, but I call unemployment. I sit on hold for two hours and then I get hung up on, or I call this number that they tell me to call and I get hung up on, or I go to a website, it crashes. What do I do? You know? And, and so I think just from that standpoint, being able to have a collective of all those resources in one place is is yeah. very important and we're just we're picking through and finding i found one guy who has this great google sheet he's updating every day about he goes and f- he's got people in every state giving updates on what that state's doing right now for unemployment oh, cool. for sole proprietors and gig workers does he have and, like backline uh, that, phone numbers to get into he, he, <laughs> he, puts, yeah, he puts numbers you know he gives advice he just puts he types some things in there so right. that's on our resource page i mean it and seeing that though is deathly frightening to me because i see as of like, maybe I don't know what it was today or yet at the end of the day yesterday, but 30 of the states weren't even accepting any unemployment act, ap- applications from anyone who was not a W-2 worker yet. That's insane. And that was scared. That's insane for, especially because we're considering this hit coming off the slow winter months. Yeah. So everyone's, everyone's now out of their savings and we're now talking, we're looking at the people who need this the most to kind of support themselves are going to be waiting here probably another month plus before they start seeing checks flow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's pretty really frightening. Insane. So let me ask you the other question is what are some of the things you need to make this work, uh, mm-hmm. you know, on a much larger scale? Cause th- I think your problem now is, is one of your problems is going to become scale. You know, like you said, you're, it, it's a one and a half times full-time job and you're only one guy and you're still trying to feed your family like the rest of us is. Um, yeah. but you know, you now need to scale this. It needs to keep growing and getting mm-hmm. wider so that you can go 
say, you know, Mr. Governor, Mr. Senator, uh, you know, Mr. President, uh, here's what we have. How can you help us? So what are some of the things you need? All right. So here's the few, here's a few things that people can do to help us right now. One, go to the website. It is functioning. Go and sign up as a supporter. Make sure you sign that petition as well, because we, if you haven't yet, we do need every signature that looks amazing. And what is the website? The website is liveeventscoalition.org or.com. We own both. It'll both go the same place. So liveeventscoalition.com or.org. There is buttons where you can, to sign the petitions, there's also a button to join us, which is basically you're just going to sign up and get on our mailing list. And so we can contact you directly because change.org does not provide us emails. We don't get that from the petition. And we also want your logo. We want, we, you know, this industry is full of so many companies and even, even our freelancers have their own logos. We're going to have the biggest logo page of supporters ever known of any association. So that's one thing you can do. Once you're on that mailing list, you're also going to see we are starting a letter writing campaign. Um, That is where we're hopefully in a day or two, we'll actually have a letter writing generator where you just go put your zip code in and you can just press, it'll just populate with all your representatives. You can hit hit the button. It's going to send out the email of the federal ask that we have. Where There'll also be where you can actually just take the template, put in your information, email it personally. You can personalize what your message is. If you know a politician, you want to personalize it to. You have that. So this letter writing campaign, the other piece we really need from people is pay attention, pay attention to what we're doing on social media. We are going to do some powerful things on the PR front with social media and working with the media and high profile sign ons of what we're going to do to really uh, create this national awareness, hopefully virally of the live events industry underneath the, the faces behind the scenes movement is what we're kind of crafting right now and we'll be launching soon basically putting the face of our industry from behind the curtain from behind the scenes so that the american public sees it so we really need everyone to really unify behind all the movements we're doing and the and social media is what i mean this whole petition started on social media so social media can change the world i mean look if you look at the arab spring not that we're talking about a revolution here we're talking about Things happen on social media, and if yeah. all of us come together and are doing the same thing, we're we're putting our profile picture with a frame, we're making, we're sharing the same message. All all of the people, all our family members are going to get this message. And Isaac, the media one is of the, pick one up of the thoughts that comes to mind right now is I've been seeing sort of a, a campaign happening on Facebook right now where people are posting pictures of themselves at work. Basically, yep. and I don't know if you've seen this, but if if there was a hashtag live events coalition on that, yeah. um, to me, that's exactly the kind of stuff you want to be showing is and these, that's, that's actually, these are our members. These are the people. This is what they do, folks. Yes. I know you don't understand <laughs> it, but this that is what That was kind of a do. precursor. Someone did that within our group and it's kind of started. So we're seeing oh, it wow. works. So it will be an, there will be an official hashtag tied with that. Oh, that's cool. I, it's either going to be we are events or it's another hashtag that's tied to it. But there's also some other, there's, there's some cool things. I mean, we have that's some amazing. really creative con- and that's what, sl- what some people were at looking at us like, Oh, you got a petition, but what are you doing now? Well, the last two weeks we really kind of fell back and really focused on the organizational development, but we also had a group of about five or six really key people putting in long hours, creating kind of, what is the mission? What is the content? And we created a brand for this movement. Well, it's a good so that point, it just cuts Isaac. Right through. Somebody said it to me once. You know, what if what if somebody gave you a, a platform and a podium and a microphone, and you got up there and you went, "Shit, I got nothing to say." So, I mean, you now have a platform. You have a, a half a million people that signed a petition. You now have this coalition that becomes the voice of that platform and the, the sort of engine behind that platform or the operation behind that platform. And now you really need to fill that platform with content and with good, valuable things to say and, and a voice, right? Yeah. And that's, and that's what we have. And it's this, this team that we have has really crafted a really good platform and it's, it's, it's basically the, we platform it's, we are events. We are all of us together. Let's just bring, let's just create our, this is the platform we, we've crafted because, I mean, the cool thing of the coalition is you ha- we have people represented across the spectrum, so it speaks to everyone in our industry that That's touches amazing. a live event. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much, yeah. Isaac. I, I appreciate having you on here. Myself, if there's anything I, my, my podcasts, my company can do to help, please let me know. 
And, Absolutely. Uh, and I wish you the very best and I'll do anything I can to help promote it. I think it's a great yeah. thing. Well, don't worry. You'll be hearing from the outreach team here in the next couple of days and they'll get you some materials that you can post and, and make sure you spread through your network. So amazing. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day and keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Thanks, Marcel. All right. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Sweet, sweet child